Chapter Ten of the Vicar of Bullhampton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Vicar of Bullhampton by Anthony Trollope. Chapter Ten. Crunchum can't be had. Mister Fenwick had intended to have come home round by Market Lavington, after having deposited Miss Lowther at the Westbury station with the view of making some inquiry respecting the gentleman with the hurt shoulder but he had found the distance to be too great and had abandoned the idea after that there was not a day to spare till the middle of the next week so that it was nearly a fortnight after the little scene at the corner of the vicarage garden wall before he called upon the lavington constable and the lavington doctor from the latter he could learn nothing no such patient had been to him but the constable though he had not seen the two men had heard of them one was a man who in former days had frequented lavington burroughs by name generally known as jack the grinder who had been in every prison in wiltshire and somersetshire but who had not so said the constable honoured lavington for the last two years till this his last appearance he had however been seen there in company with another man and had evidently been in a condition very unfit for work he had slept one night at a low public house and had then moved on the man had complained of a fall from the cart, and had declared that he was black and blue all over, but it seemed to be clear that he had no broken bones. Mr. Fenwick, therefore, was all but convinced that Jack the Grinder was the gentleman with whom he had had the encounter, and that the Grinder's back had withstood that swinging blow from the life-preserver. Of the Grinder's companions nothing could be learned. The two men had taken the Devizes Road out of Lavington, and beyond that nothing was known of them. When the parson mentioned Sam Brattle's name in a whisper, the Lavington constable shook his head. He knew all about old Jacob Brattle. A very respectable party was old Mr. Brattle in the constable's opinion. Nevertheless, the constable shook his head when Sam Brattle's name was mentioned. Having learned so much, the parson rode home. Two days after this, on a Friday, Fenwick was sitting after breakfast in his study, at work on his sermon for next Sunday, when he was told that old Mrs. Brattle was waiting to see him. He immediately got up and found his own wife and the millers seated in the hall. It was not often that Mrs. Brattle made her way to the vicarage, but when she did so, she was treated with great consideration. It was still August, and the weather was very hot, and she had walked up across the water mead and was tired. A glass of wine and a biscuit were pressed upon her, and she was encouraged to sit and say a few indifferent words before she was taken into the study and told to commence the story which had brought her so far and there was a most inviting topic for conversation. The mill and the mill premises were to be put in order by the landlord. Mrs. Brattle affected to be rather dismayed than otherwise by the coming operations. The mill would have lasted their time, she thought, and as for them as were to come after them, well, she didn't know. As things was now, perhaps it might be that after all Sam would have the mill. But the trouble occasioned by the workmen would be infinite. How were they to live in the meantime, and where were they to go? It soon appeared, however, that all this had been already arranged. Milling must, of course, be stopped for a month or six weeks. Indeed, sir, Father says there won't be no more grinding much before winter. But the mill was to be repaired first, and then, when it became absolutely necessary to dismantle the house, they were to endeavour to make shift, and live in the big room of the mill itself, till their furniture should be put back again. Mrs. Fenwick, with ready good nature, offered to accommodate Mrs. Brattle and Fanny at the vicarage, but the old woman declined, with many protestations of gratitude. She had never left her old man yet, and would not do so now. 
The weather would be mild for a while, and she thought that they could get through. By this time the glass of wine had been sipped to the bottom, and the parson, mindful of his sermon, had led the visitor into his study. She had come to tell that Sam at last had returned home. "'Why didn't you bring him up with you, Mrs. Brattle?' Here was a question to ask of an old lady, whose dominion over her son was absolutely none. Sam had become so frightfully independent that he hardly regarded the word of his father, who was a man pre-eminently capable of maintaining authority, and would no more do a thing because his mother told him than because the wind whistled. "'I axed him to come up, not just with me, but of hisself, Mr. Fenwick, but he said as how you would know where to find him if you wanted him.' "'That's just what I don't know.' However, if he's there now, I'll go to him. It would have been better far that he should have come to me. I told him so, Mr. Fenwick. I did indeed. It does not signify. I will go to him, only it cannot be today, as I have promised to take my wife over to Charlecoats. But I'll come down immediately after breakfast tomorrow. You think he'll be still there? I be sure he will, Mr. Fenwick. He and Feyther have taken on again till it's beautiful to see. There was none of em Feyther ever loved like he. Only one. Thereupon the poor woman burst out into tears, and covered her face with her handkerchief. He never makes half so much account of my fan, that never had a fault belonging to her. If Sam will stick to that, it will be well for him. He's taken up extraordinary with the repairs, Mr. Fenwick. He's in and about and over the place, looking to everything. "'and Feyther says he knows so much about it. "'He believes the boy could do it all out of his own head. "'There's nothing Feyther ever likes so much "'as folks to be strong and clever. "'Perhaps the squire's tradesman won't like all that. "'Is Mitchell going to do it?' "'It ain't a doing in that way, Mr. Fenwick. "'The squire is allowing two hundred pound, "'and Feyther is to get it done. "'Mr. Mitchell is to see that it's done proper, no doubt. "'And now tell me, Mrs. Brattle, "'what has Sam been about all the time that he was away?' "'That's just what I cannot tell you, Mr. Fenwick. "'Your husband has asked him, I suppose. "'If he has, he ain't told me, Mr. Fenwick. "'I don't care to come between them with hints and jealousies, suspecting like. "'Our fan says he's been out working somewhere Lavington way, "'but I don't know as she knows. "'Was he decent-looking when he came home?' "'He wasn't much amiss, Mr. Fenwick. "'He has that way with him that he most always looks decent, don't he, sir? "'Had he any money?' "'He had a summit.' "'because when he was working, moving the big lumber as though for bare life, "'he sent one of the boys for beer, and I'd seen him give the boy the money. "'I'm sorry for it. I wish he'd come back without a penny, "'and with hunger like a wolf in his stomach, and with his clothes all rags, "'so that he might have had a taste of the suffering of a vagabond's life. "'Just like the prodigal son, Mr. Fenwick? "'Just like the prodigal son. "'He would not have come back to see his father "'had he not been driven by his own vices to live with the swine.' Then, seeing the tears coming down the poor mother's cheeks, he added in a kinder voice, "'Perhaps it may all be well as it is. We will hope so, at least, and to-morrow I will come down and see him. You need not tell him that I am coming, unless he should ask where you have been.' Then Mrs. Brattle took her leave, and the parson finished his sermon. That afternoon he drove his wife across the country to visit certain friends at Charlecoats, and both going and coming could not keep himself from talking about the Brattles. In the first place— he thought that Gilmore was wrong not to complete the work himself. Of course he'll see that the money is spent and all that, and no doubt in this way he may get the job done twenty or thirty pounds cheaper, but the Brattles have not interest enough in the place to justify it. I suppose the old man liked it best so. The old man shouldn't have been allowed to have his way. I am in an awful state of alarm about Sam. 
much as i like him or at any rate did like him i fear he is going or perhaps has gone to the dogs that those two men were housebreakers is as certain as that you sit there and i cannot doubt but that he has been with them over at lavington or devizes or somewhere in that country but he may perhaps never have joined them in anything of that kind a man is known by his companions i would not have believed it if i had not found him with the men and traced him and them about the country together you see that this fellow whom they call the grinder was certainly the man i struck i tracked him to lavington and there he was complaining of being sore all over his body i don't wonder that he was sore he must be made like a horse to be no worse than sore well then that man and sam were certainly in our garden together give him a chance frank of course i will give him a chance i will give him the very best chance i can i would do anything to save him but i can't help knowing what i know he had made very little to his wife of the danger of the vicarage being robbed but he could not but feel that there was danger his wife had brought with her among other plenishings for their household a considerable amount of handsome plate more than is perhaps generally to be found in country parsonages and no doubt this fact was known at any rate to sam brattle had the men simply intended to rob the garden they would not have run the risk of coming so near to the house windows but then it certainly was true that sam was not showing them the way the parson did not quite know what to think about it but it was clearly his duty to be on his guard that same evening he sauntered across the corner of the churchyard to his neighbour the farmer looking out warily for bonham he stood leaning upon the farm gate bonham was not to be seen or heard and therefore he entered and walked up to the back door which indeed was the only door for entrance or egress that was ever used there was a front door opening into a little ragged garden but this was as much a fixture as the wall as he was knocking at the back door it was opened by the farmer himself mr fenwick had called to inquire whether his friend had secured for him as half promised the possession of a certain brother of bonham's who was supposed to be of a very pugnacious disposition in the silent watches of the night it's no go parson why not mr trumbull the truth is there be such a deal o' talk o' thieves about the country that no one likes to part with such a friend as that muster crickley over at imber he have another big dog it's true a regular mastiff but he do say that crunchum be better than the mastiff and he won't let him go parson not for love nor money i wouldn't let bonham go i know not for nothing then mr fenwick walked back to the vicarage and was half induced to think that as crunchum was not to be had it would be his duty to sit up at night and look after the plate-box himself chapter ten